Greenhouse Church. Good morning. Oh, I love it. Energy. Oh, it's going to be a good day. I love it. I love it. Good morning, Greenhouse Church. If you do not know me, my name is Pastor Malik. I currently serve as the pastor and residence here at Greenhouse Church. And I am excited to hop into this new series with everybody this morning. So as you saw from that video, our series is entitled Awaken. Like John says, we have the beautiful privilege of joining with the Capital C Church. That is the church everywhere, Greenhouse Church, Calvary, any church you could name. They're all invited together into Church United. We're talking over 100 churches in the Tri-County area. And we're preaching the same sermon series. And we're joining together in one mind, with one faith, talking about one God. Because at the end of the day, that's actually who we work for. All right, so hop to your feet with me. We're going to be in John 4 this morning. John chapter 4, we will be in verses 28 to 30. John chapter 4, thank you, verses 28 to 30. And I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. If it sounds different than yours, it's okay. I'll read it in your hearing. It says this, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I'll pray. Jesus, we thank you. God, remind us that in this story, we're the woman at the well. So Jesus, help us to see you. God, decrease me and increase all of yourself. God, let the word today impact everyone's lives, my own included. In the magnificent name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may have your seats. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for being here. <laughs> all right, so here we are. John chapter 4. All right, everybody ready? We're about to jump in. We ready? Let's do it. All right, so here we are. John chapter 4. We start in verse 28. Here's the story. I have to kind of summarize for, for a lot of us verses 1 through 28. Right? How do we get here? How did we get to this woman, this unnamed woman at a well? Right? So I'll start from the beginning. Keep your Bibles open for me, please. Track along with me. Let's hop in the Word and let's look at this together. Right? So Jesus, he is on his way from Judea to Galilee. He's on his way from Judea to Galilee, and the Bible says that he needs to go through Samaria. It says he needs to go through Samaria. In the Greek, it literally means he felt it was necessary for him to go through Samaria. I don't know, but in my picture of God, God feeling the need to do something is very rare to me. It's like, well, he's God. Why does he need to do anything? Right? But he feels the need to go through Samaria. And so Jesus is on his way, and he's going through Samaria. And already this is what the story gets kind of weird. So anyone who doesn't know this... Jesus is a Jew, right? And okay, then what does that matter? The Bible lets us know Jews, the Bible says, have no dealings with Samaritans. They got beef, right? Like they don't deal with each other. Like the beef between Jews and Samaritans is so deep that imagine Judea is here in the south and Galilee is here up north. Samaria is in the middle. They would go this way across a river, up and cross the river again to get to where they were going instead of taking the simple journey through Samaria, right? Imagine disliking someone in a place so much that you cross a river to get away from going there, walk all the way around and cross a river to get back. They didn't like each other, but this is where Jesus feels the need to go through. 
So Jesus, he hops in, he goes through Samaria, and then the Bible says he pauses and he sits at a well because he's weary from his walk, right? Now we're talking about Jesus, of course, he is fully human, and he has just walked several miles. Some estimate almost 30 miles, Jesus is tired, right? I don't walk three, much less 30. So (laughs) I am tired too, Jesus, right? And so (laughs) he is tired and he is exhausted, and he sits next to this well. And everybody lean in, because this is where it gets exciting. This is where we have the encounter that we are all looking for in this text. Far off, he sees a woman, and the woman comes to the well. And he says to the woman, hey, can I have a drink? And this is the interesting reply that the woman gives him. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? To me, that's odd. If someone says, hey, can I have something to drink, and you respond with, why are you talking to me? That is, a very odd, that is a very odd response to me. But her response is, why are you paying me any attention? Why are you talking to me? Right? And then, but remember, she, she knows what everybody knows. There's beef. Right? And so she was like, you know what? what? What does this guy want from me? And then the story gets even more interesting because Jesus, again, to me, one of the oddest sentences in the Bible, Jesus says, If you knew the gift of God who was saying to you, give me drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Now, from all of us spiritual people, I was like, yeah. Imagine someone asking you for a drink and then you say, why are you talking to me? And then they go, if you knew who you were talking to, I would give you living water. This This is very odd. Imagine being this woman in this encounter. Jesus is being strange, right? And it continues for a while. They go back and forth and back and forth, and he continues asking for a drink, and he continues offering living water, and the woman's like, hey, you don't even got a bucket. So the real question is, why are you even at this well without a bucket? Right, like, even if I, even if I have to pull water from this well, how are you going to take it with you? Because I'm taking my bucket home. So how are you going to get this water? And they continue, and they go back and forth and back and forth, and then it gets even weirder. I thought that was weird enough. No, 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 no. It gets even more interesting. Jesus, in the middle of the conversation, pauses and says, hey, go get your husband. And again, weird. You've been already talking to this woman for only you know how long. And then in the middle of it, wait, pause, go get your husband. And the woman replies to Jesus and she says in John 4, 17, I don't have a husband. Right? And again, without missing a beat, Jesus replies to the woman, And what could either be one of the most encouraging or shady sentences in the entire Bible, depending on your outlook on life. He says, you're right. You don't have a husband. (laughs) For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, (laughs) if you want something from somebody, this is not how you get it. Right? Like, if he wants this woman to get him something to drink, Calling out probably what is the most shameful part of her life is not the way to do it. He's obviously very bad at this negotiating thing, right? Obviously, God is not used to negotiating, right? (laughs) But but imagine being this woman. Imagine this random man who shouldn't be talking to you, who is very awkwardly sitting at a well without a bucket, now airing the deepest, darkest, most painful parts of who you are in front of you. How does that feel? Right? I'm sure if I was to place myself in her shoes, it's gut-wrenching. 
it's gut-wrenching because why on earth is he here? Why is he talking to me? And why does he know this? Why does he know all of this about me? And the woman does what many of us do when we feel that same pain. She hops into defense. She hops into a defensive posture and starts to debate. She goes, well, I know Jews worship on this mountain. And we, and we know you guys are supposed to worship over here, but worship over here. She hops into a very intellectual, very religious debate with Jesus, which is what we do. We reason our way out of conviction. Or is it just me? When it hurts, you're like, yeah, but. Right? And, and, and you try to skirt your way around the feeling. Jesus being Jesus is too smart for this. And he quickly deflects. He quickly is like, hey, 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 we're not talking about this. Jesus says, actually, I am here to end this debate altogether. Actually, if you lean into me a little bit, it won't matter what mountain you're worshiping on. Because I want people to worship in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus says to this woman. And then the woman makes this statement. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And here's where we'll end our recap of John up until where we read today. Jesus says this. He says, I am the Messiah. This is interesting to me. This is interesting to me because this is the first time he says it. This is the first time he says, I am the Messiah. Right? And so we'll hop into the first of three points today. And our really big theme is awakening. But before you can experience an awakening, you need to experience an encounter. And so first, encounters with Jesus make it possible for our hearts to be in rhythm with God's. Encounters with Jesus make it possible for our hearts to be in rhythm with God's. Right? So we'll hop back into our story again. This woman knows her and Jesus have beef. So before this encounter starts, she has three strikes against her. She's a woman, she's a Samaritan, and she's got some baggage. Right? Whether or not this baggage is self-inflicted or caused upon her by the circumstances of life, when it comes to Bible scholars, the jury's out. I grew up thinking, oh, she had done all this bad stuff. But what if she hadn't? What if life had thrown five troubling situations her way? And she's just trying her best to make it work. What if she didn't dig this hole? But it's still a hole she finds herself in. Right? And of course, if you're like me, she has a fourth strike against her. Jesus is tired and he probably needs a nap. And I don't know about you, but if you talk to me when I need a nap, it is a strike. Let me sleep. And then let's have a normal conversation because I'm tired. So she has three, four strikes, depending on your propensity to midday sleep. Right? And so <laughs> she is by all means not qualified for what's about to happen to her. She is completely unqualified for this awakening and this encounter that she is currently finding herself in. But even what's more interesting is that a chapter before this in John 3, Jesus meets with a religious leader. A man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and he says, Hey, what do I have to do? Like, what's going on? All these miracles. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus in the middle of the night. And so what makes that interesting to me is he could have told Nicodemus he was the Messiah. He could have divulged that information to a religious leader, to someone who by all accounts is far more qualified to have a conversation with God than a woman at a well. 
but he doesn't. Instead, he waits until he has a need to go through Samaria. What I love about the chapter prior, if the Bible doesn't say Jesus had any sort of need to talk to Nicodemus, it says Nicodemus comes and approaches Jesus. But a chapter later, he feels a need to go sit at a well in the middle of the day. Now, we're from South Florida, so we know it gets hot. And around 12, around that noon, nobody's outside. Like, we're not dealing with it. It is hot. But that's when this woman is at this well drawing water. That's when Jesus is sitting at this well as she draws water. Why is this woman at this well at the worst point of the day? See, here's actually how things used to work back then. Women would all go to the well together. They would go in a group. They would step out and they would go together in the morning before the sun had reached its apex. And they would go together. But here was a solitary woman by herself. The entire community has gone to the well already. She's waited until she would run into no one. She's waited until she'd have to deal with nobody's scrutiny, have to deal with nobody's looks, nobody's glances, nobody's anything. Because she would rather deal with burning in the heat than deal with other people's mess. And so she walks to this well. And what she doesn't know is seated at the well that she normally goes to is God. And he is there. You see, because what threw me off even this morning as I was praying is Jesus felt the need to go to somebody no one else felt the need to be with. He felt the need to go to somebody that was dejected, was rejected, was completely ostracized by her society. And this is the woman he says he's the Messiah to. What does this mean? He looked like, hey, I am God. I have come to literally change the world. I am the Christ. He didn't go to a seminary. He didn't say it for the first time in a synagogue. He didn't say it for the first time to Nicodemus, a religious leader. He says it to the, for the very first time to a woman who has nothing to offer him, who has nothing to offer. She has nothing at all. And that's who he divulges this information to. I'll tell her myself a little bit here. You see, I am like the religious leaders we find in the Bible. For the longest period in my life, I would have been willing to cross a river and go around and deal with certain people. See, I'm the, I, was, I used to be the judgmental Christian nobody liked. Right? So I grew up in church. I started preaching at the age of 16. So imagine what that does to an adolescent already egotistical psyche. Right? To the teenagers who think they already have all the answers. Right? So imagine what that does. And so I was that person. And it took me wrecking my life. It took me getting expelled from a high school, arrested, and all of this stuff in the span of three months for me to encounter the grace of the God I had preached about for years. You see, because I wonder if a lot of us have an issue telling people to come to the well because we haven't been there ourselves. Because we haven't sat at this well at the very lowest of where we are and saw Jesus meet us there. You see, for me, that's what happened. I got to a place in life where I was at the lowest I had ever been. And it was at that place that I understood what it meant to experience grace. That I understood what it meant to be seated at a well at your worst moment. And Jesus meet you there. See, so I am the person this woman's hiding from. I used to be that person. And so as that person who now lives as that woman, I can tell you, it's the grace of God that makes this awakening possible. 
If we want to reach our city, if we want to change the world, I invite you to encounter Jesus first. If you attempt to show people, people a God you have never met, you will show them a God who doesn't exist. You will paint them a picture of a Jesus you've created in your mind who fits all of the stuff that you want him to fit, but isn't who Jesus has revealed himself to be. So before we talk about him, let's meet him. Let's meet this Jesus, right? And so encounters with God, that's our first point. Encounters with Jesus make it possible for our hearts to be in rhythm with God's. Our second point, if you're taking notes, is simple. Encounters with Jesus give us reason to be excited about our faith. Christianity has not always been the most exciting religion to me. There are far more exciting things to believe. But it's when you encounter Jesus that you can get excited about what he has to offer you. So the verse we read today really hit me, and it's why it's the one I focused on. John 4, 28. Then the woman left her water jar and went into town. Then the woman left her water jar and went into town. She meets Jesus. She went to the well for water, right? They don't have plumbing. They don't have running water. She forgot the thing she went to the well for because an encounter with Jesus is just that potent. So for a lot of us, what if the well we keep running to that we refill, go home, and go back to the next morning? Is it work? Is it school? Is it success? Is it accolades? Is it other people's opinions or approval? You see, the well doesn't have to be a bad thing. It has to be anything that isn't Jesus. Because any well that we go to that isn't Jesus will eventually call us back to itself. And see, it doesn't have to be a sin. It doesn't have to be terrible. We always think, I have to run from, it could be a good thing, but is it a God thing? And until the thing that is the well becomes God, it will never actually satisfy. Jesus didn't say, I will give you a religion, and that religion will cause you to never thirst again. He didn't say, I'll give you a church, and that church will never cause you to thirst again. He said, I give you me, because I am the fountain of living water. And if you come to me, you will never thirst again. Again, but if the well is a sin, if it is that thing that we keep going back to, the thing that we keep tiptoeing our way around, drop that bucket too. Any bucket that you have, that you are filling up, that you are pouring into, that isn't God. Like the woman at the well, encounter Jesus today and drop the bucket. You won't need it where you're going. Because where you're going, the fountain of living water is walking with you. So you don't have to keep going back to a bucket because instead, the well of living water is beside you. And any time you need to be satisfied, he says, come unto me. And he has everything that you need. Drop the bucket. Become excited like this woman was. Because she had just experienced transformation after an encounter. And you see, have you left the bucket, but you're still seated at the well? A lot of us in modern American Christianity, we suffer from what is really and truly spiritual gluttony. We sit at the well and we drink and we drink and we drink and we drink and we forget what this woman did immediately after she dropped her bucket. She went into town. She went to the people who didn't like her to begin with. 
the people. She ran away from it at the heat of the day. She went to those people. And she said, come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. See, there's something compelling about an encounter or about something that excites you, that makes you want to share it. Right? So if you don't know this about me, I'm a big Marvel movie fan. Right? And so I don't know if you saw the new Spider-Man trailer. If you haven't, the second you get out these doors, not in church, but the second you get out these doors, pull out your phone and check, and check, check that trailer. Listen, it's good. It's good. It's good. Right? And so... But I got that trailer from about 20 different people because all of us friends were excited about this Marvel movie. People I haven't spoken to in six months, but they're like, you know who would want to see this trailer? Malik, because he loved Marvel movies. And so I haven't spoken to them, like, you know, it's all on Instagram, be like, last time you spoke, January. Like, oh, but thank you for sending this trailer my way. You see, there's something about when you're excited about something that compels you to share it. I was not excited about evangelism until I got excited about Jesus. And then it was that excitement about God that compelled me to share it. You see, this woman didn't even leave and say, I just experienced a well. She said, come see a man. She didn't even invite them to living water. She said, the water was cool, but the person who gave it to me, he was so much better. And so are, are we excited about Jesus? Has he so captivated our minds that we can't even begin to fathom a conversation without him? Or is he an additive to our life? Is it me and Jesus? Is it just both of us living this casual life together? Or do we live our life for his purpose? See, those are two very different things. Because you can walk with him and never talk about him. And I'm not condemning people who do. All I'm saying is that there's more. There's so much more. Imagine this woman being excited about evangelism, right? And so our third and final point is simple. Encounters with Jesus propel us towards evangelism. We will never get to awakening our city until Jesus has come to awaken us. And so here is what happens. This woman who nobody wants to talk to goes to the people she doesn't want to deal with. And she makes it clear that Jesus has changed her life. What do you mean? She says, come see a man who told me everything I had ever did. Could this be the Messiah? I imagine being a townsperson, being very judgmental, as she runs past saying, come see a man who told me all I've ever did. I can imagine myself thinking, oh, we know what you did. Right? Like, I can imagine, I can imagine myself in that moment. Like, oh, well, I could have told you what you did. Right? Like, if you wanted a man to tell you what you did, like, you could have just, I, I got, we got receipts all around here. Right? But there was something compelling about Jesus that changed the message that she was sending. Because I'm sure they knew what she did. But it was something accompanying that message that changed people's lives. You see, it's not often the words you say. It's the God who is behind those words. And so even now, as you're like, Malik, I don't really have much to say. Say the same thing you've been doing, but throw some Jesus on it. I bet it works. Right? Like, say the exact same thing. Tell that exact same testimony. But this time, remind them that the man in this story is Jesus. And people who don't like you will come see a man. 
people who you don't like, you'll be propelled to go to them. Because you see, when I encounter Jesus, it doesn't matter how I feel about you. Because how I feel about him is so much more important. And so I don't got to like you, but I love him enough to tell you about this man. They propel us towards evangelism. My friend, encounter Jesus. Honestly, people often wonder, hey, Malik, what do you do as a pastor? I get people to Jesus. I don't really give people really good advice. I get people to Jesus. Because see, he's the fixer of all of the things. This woman had been in the city for a very long time. I'm sure several people tried to help. Several very good-natured people tried to help her out. They tried to offer her a hand. Hey, do you know what you need? Hey, let me tell you, do you know what you need? Do you know how to fix this problem in your life? But it didn't work. No matter what was going on, it didn't work. But she encountered a remedy that made her forget everything she had planned for that day and told the city about Jesus. I'll hop to the end of her story right now. The Bible says, at the end of all of that, many Samaritans were saved because of her testimony. Right, so many, right. Like, the town that Jews wouldn't even go to is saved because of a woman nobody would go to. And so she encounters Jesus in this most miraculous, most wonderful way. And that changes her destiny, changes her destiny so much so that she is the first evangelist the Bible ever knows of. She is the first one. We think about all these people who start sharing the gospel. It is a ostracized, outcasted Samaritan woman. All the chips are stacked against her. But she becomes the prototype for evangelism. When she left her house that morning, I often wondered, did she have any clue? Did she feel like it was going to be a good day? Because I think after being in a place that long, you just feel like it's going to be a normal day. I feel like a lot of us just feel like these are normal days. That there aren't many mountains, but there are many just very clear valleys and even some, some minor peaks. But we wouldn't even dare call it a mountain. Jesus is going to meet you there. You don't have to scale to this mountaintop to have this experience with God. David puts it like this in Psalms 23. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Thank you. Come on. I will fear. He loved the Bible. I love people who know the Bible. <laughs> I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me in your deepest darkest, most painful moment. Jesus is there for you. And so what do we do about it? Here are some simple application steps. I have very simple ones for us this week. Two words. Encounter Jesus. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Here are some ways in which you can do this. Today, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to open up this altar. And it's not because this is a very special place, but it's because there is something symbolic about taking a step and recognizing your need for an encounter. Two, join a microchurch. We have weekly built-in facu faculties of this church that function to help you encounter Jesus on a week-in, week-out basis. And if you've never been to the microchurch, talk to somebody after service, I promise you. It will be 
miraculous. It will be magnificent for you. And lastly, during this week, this upcoming week, work in four quiet times, four periods of encounters with Jesus. I'm not telling you to go sit in your closet and pray for an hour. No, five to ten minutes. Sit down and just think about God. Play a worship song. Encounter Jesus. Because if we're going to change the world, he's going to have to change us. And he hasn't even changed me enough to the place where I feel like I'm ready to change the world. So sit down with Jesus for a few moments this week and say, hey, God, meet me at the well where I am. He's not telling you to get it all together. He's saying, hey, I'm walking through where you are because I need to. Because I need to meet you at your well. My friends, Jesus is here to meet you at your well today. And if you feel like it's, you're good, you feel like, hey, Malik, I, I'm, in, I'm in a microchurch. Hey, Malik, I do quiet time 27 days a week. Cool, bro. Like, hey, Malik, like, I am a Jesus fiend. Do me a favor. Write out your testimony. Write out the well where Jesus met you. As the worship team comes and as we prepare to close in a final song, do this simple thing. Because I guarantee you this woman never forgot this moment. I guarantee you it was etched in her mind forever. Write it out. Be ready. Be ready to have an answer for your faith. Not just in an apologetic sense, but have an answer for how you got there. Have an answer for the encounter that brought you to Jesus. When people say, how'd you become a Christian? I don't, we don't need ums and ahs. We need, I was at a well at the lowest point of my life, and Jesus came and met me there. My friends, today I invite you to Jesus. I invite you to experience an awakening that will change the trajectory of your life. Because Greenhouse Church cannot change South Florida. Church United cannot change South Florida. No matter what we have planned, it cannot change South Florida. But South Florida can experience an awakening if we get everyone to encounter Jesus. And so if you feel like you don't have what it takes, you don't need to. The best part about the gospel is it actually relies on you being a failure. That's the best part about it, right? Like it relies on you not having the answers. Because the gospel simply put is this. I couldn't. God could. And he did. And not only he did, but in my life he continues to work it out. He continues to propel me. When I don't feel like going on, he continues to push me forward. So today, if you're stuck, if you don't know where to move, have an encounter with Jesus. It won't make the problems go away. It won't immediately turn your skies from gray, but it will change your perspective to realize that I might be in a valley, but the God who created the universe is in it with me. I might be low. I might be struggling. But everything I need is locked up in God, and he has me held in his arms. So whoever you are, wherever you feel, like John said, you're not lonely. You're not on your own. The God of the universe is making his way to meet you right here and now. Open your heart. We're going to sing this song. And if you're thirsting for a drink from the well that is our Father, Jesus Christ, I urge you to come. If our prayer partners could come forward for us, please. And like, hey, these aren't super Christians. But we want to encounter Jesus with you. 
And so if you need prayer for anything at all, if you need healing in your body, if you need a rectification in your family, if you just need to encounter Jesus, as we sing this song, I would ask that you would make yourself available. I don't want you to leave here without encountering him today because he's planning to meet you. He drove you here for a reason. And he's saying, if you just come to the well, if you just come to the place, I will meet you where you are. Forgiveness was born. 
and mistakes go forward change the world and win your city by the grace of God that lies in you Jesus we need you to change our minds and to change the world so God as we pray for encounters with you transform our minds transform the way we think and remind us that we are made new we are made whole that in you we have everything that we need for life and godliness. In the name of Jesus. Now to him who was able to protect us and keep us from stumbling and to make us stand in the presence of his glory without brumish and with great joy. To the only God, God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, majesty, power, and authority for all time, both now and forever. Amen. Church, you are dismissed. Go with God this week. Have an amazing week. God bless you.